This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. So I want, I want to talk about the player who I think is the true prize here. It should be no surprise. Uh, it's Devin Booker, right? Like Devin Booker is incredible. Look at the last three years that he's got courtesy of cleaning the glass with efficiency and shooting and all that. Um, it's a lot of orange. It's great. Tons of orange. I mean, 91st percentile efficiency uh, in 2020, 2021, 72nd percentile in 2021, 22, uh, 70th percentile in 2022, 23. Yeah. Corners, mid-range, right. So there are 49 players who averaged at least 10 drives per game and appeared in at least 20 games this past year. Booker finished 8th in points percentage, 13th in field goal percentage, and 35th in passes off drives. RJ finished 20th, 38th, and 43rd respectively. Respectively, sorry. So 20th versus 8th, 38th versus 13th, 43rd versus 35th. But again, it's, you're comparing Devin Booker with RJ Barrett. It's not fair. And when you look at the half court, I mean, RJ, excuse me, Devin Booker's half court numbers, they're really good a few years ago and they've trailed off a little bit, something to maybe be wary of just generally. Uh, and then in transition, you know, it's like generally pretty good. It's Devin Booker. Uh, do you have any thoughts in terms of what we just saw? I mean, he's, is he the. See the fourth, fifth best trade asset in the league. I, I don't know. Probably Jokic goes ahead of him. Um, when Minyama, uh, probably put it put him ahead of Anthony Edwards. Actually, um, I'm sure there's a Tatum conversation. I mean, he's he's right there. He's he's right up there um, yeah. in the top. Yeah. I mean, those numbers are incredible, right? It's is, is yeah. incredible. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I I owe you an apology. Uh, well, I owe is, are, those, are they not Devin Booker's numbers? No, I've Trojan horse to you and everyone following along. That's it's not Devin Booker. Okay, who um, is it? Yeah, that's uh, Zach Levine. Oh my goodness! There you go. So here's the thing. How did I know I, we were going to end up? With I'm going to go Levine. back here. I'm going to go back here because here's why. So <laughs> I knew I couldn't talk about Zach Levine by bringing up his name because of the fact that there's, it feels like there's so many stigmas around Zach Levine. And if you had said to me three months ago, Jeremy, do you want Zach Levine anywhere near this team? I would have said no, for the same reasons people typically talk about it. I don't want the contract. Uh, injury prone. I want nothing to do with Zach Levine. And I, again, I understood the apprehension. I didn't want it. And then I just, I kept digging deeper into the numbers and into what the Knicks like and what they're doing. And I thought about, okay, 
why is it that Ian Begley in 2021 talked about the Knicks are interested in Zach Levine and then talked about it again a year and a half later at the trade deadline? And Woj said, keep your eyes on the Knicks and Zach Levine. And at a certain point, you just wonder, this can't all just be made up. There has to be credence here for why the Knicks would be interested. And then I kept wondering, well, why would the Knicks be interested? Because like, do they see someone I don't see here? What would that be? And it comes up to the three-point pull-up shooting. That is such a key component. And when you go back to the same graphic as before, the Donovan Mitchell box, it's also got Zach Levine in it when it comes to pull-up talent versus drives. And you look at RJ all the way down there, doesn't pull up drives or doesn't do a very good job with pulling up with drives. And then you look at last year, right? Like Levine, still in that Donovan Mitchell box. RJ, nowhere near it. Completely in the bottom right, just drives, doesn't have the pull-up talent. You then look at the pull-up talent versus the defense, right? Because my thought is, hey, well, if you get Zach Levine in there, what does that do with the RJ defense? Well, in 2022, Zach Levine was a far better pull-up shooter, and the defense was like the same according to DeLeBron, like in the same percentile, which it wasn't good defense, right? Like, I'm not going to stand here or sit here and say, Zach Levine, elite defender. That's not the case at all. But we're talking about, okay, if you're, if you're talking with Zach Levine and you're swapping him in for RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett, who's a third option where you would hope Zach Levine teeters on second to third option. And then you have him replacing the defense. And you look at last year where Zach Levine actually played better defense than RJ Barrett did. Then you're wondering, okay, well, if I'm improving the offense, if I'm adding the pull-up dimension that I know is so important to the Knicks, and the defense doesn't actually get worse. It's now a question of, okay, well, why and what's it costing me and all these different things. But before I get to that, because I know I sprung Zach Levine on, on you and everyone following, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this direction. No, that, look, Zach Levine's, I mean, I've, I've said this before. He's one of the, I think he's one of the probably offensively, he's one of the 20 best offensive players in the league. Um, the, he's 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 almost an anomaly because if you look at the efficiency and you specifically look at as you detailed here where the efficiency is coming from and it's coming on those high value pull up shots and he makes them at such a prodigious rate considering the degree of difficulty and how many he takes like you want to say by any conceivable metric this player should be considered amongst the elite players in basketball. And yet nobody really considers him was one of the truly elite players in basketball because we've kind of watched him play. And it's, it's to me, he's a more efficient version for sure. And a guard version of Julius Randall in that, like, but at the same time, the big difference is, Julius and Zach's efficiency are are not similar and that Julius is on the lower end of the efficiency with the exception of last year. Last year was very good, but it could go away in a heartbeat. Zach Levine, it kind of doesn't go away. Like he's always very efficient. I think with him, it more comes down to the decision-making um, and, and the defense. But as you're pointing out here, like, you know, he, he's a better defender than he gets credit for. Let's say that. Yeah. But it's not. A, yeah. No, you're. I mean, you're, you're going to have the ball in his hands a lot, and he's going to be tasked with making difficult decisions at the end of games. But, 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 it's kind, kind 
you know, it, maybe it's a different version of the Julius conversation that we had last summer, which is like, let's see what he looks with a real point guard. DeMar DeRozan, for all of his talent, is not a real point guard, even though he has kind of played that role. You know, Lonzo Ball mm-hmm. is not a point guard in that sense. Like, I don't know. What does Zach Levine look like next to a, a, a Jalen a, a Brunson? That's, it's, it's an interesting question. It's inter- I tell you this, I like Levine more than I like Cat. That's for sure. Yeah, okay. I would say the difference in terms of, and maybe this is a hot taker, but I really don't think it is, that the gap between Randall and Cat is a lot smaller than that of RJ and Levine on this team as Knicks oh, based no. on what they're talking you, about. Hold on. This is what they like. RJ Barrett shouldn't be in a conversation with any of these three players. These, sure. are, I, Carl, these are three of the most gifted offensive players in the NBA, Randall being less than the other two. But like, RJ shouldn't be mentioned in the same breath as these guys. I agree. It's really just about looking forward. Which is, would, these are older players in, in terms yeah, of 27, but, 28 whatever. and RJ's 22. With with RJ, with the R, if it's an RJ Levine conversation, the, the the discussion comes down to yes, the fit of Levine here with the Knicks versus RJ, but more so, I think it's a it's opportunity cost. Sure. And is this the guy that you're that you're making the play for with the contract and with the injury question mark and with the Levine of it all that I just talked about before? That's where it's it's not about whether they'd be a lot. Better on paper, they'd be man, right? So a lot better. Oh yeah, yeah, no, for for sure. It's just okay. A little bit more true shooting percentage, finishing talent. Again, like you got Josh Hart and Zach Levine in 2022, really good. That's a that's exactly where you want there to be. Uh, that box is not Chetty Osman. It's supposed to be Quentin Grimes. Yeah. Kevin Fournier is up there. R.J. Barrett. Uh, you know, obviously. The finishing talent, and again, finishing talent wouldn't necessarily be defined as finishes at the rim, but like gets to the rim. Uh, he gets to the rim a lot. True shooting percentage is just not there. And then last year, or this past season, in that box, the same percentiles that we had before, you got Josh Hart, Quentin Grimes, and Zach Levine, all three in there. And you have RJ Barrett all the way down 40th or so true shooting percentile, um, whereas those guys are all above 85%. So it then comes down to the efficiency too, right? Like these are the first four years of these players, RJ Barrett versus Zach Levine. If we're looking at true shooting percentage, RJ is four years. We talked about eighth percentile, 27th percentile, 18th percentile, 21st percentile. I was 27th percentile. Zach Levine in his rookie year was 41st percentile, true shooting percentage. 61st is second year, 76th percentile, his third year tears his ACL comes back and rehabbing it 24 games in the fourth season, he's at the 18th percentile in terms of true shooting. So this basically means that a hobbled Zach Levine was just barely eked out in terms of efficiency by a largely healthy RJ Barrett this past season. So they're just the disparity in true shooting percentage is huge. Effective field goal percentage. It's similar, right? Like RJ sixth percentile, 26th percentile, 13th percentile, 15th percentile. Zach Levine, 30th, 62nd, 78th, and then ninth the year he was hurt. And then the four years after that, right? Like true shooting percentage going from the, the five years, excuse me, going from five years back to most recent, 70th, 61st, 92nd, 83rd, 73rd. Yeah. Effective field goal percentage, 52nd, 51st, 86th, 70th, 60th. Like it's 
It's night and day. But even that, but I'm sorry, I have joke. Even that does not tell the full story because of the degree of difficulty on the shots that he's taking, which there's two sides to that coin because if you watch him enough, you're like, he doesn't need to be taking that tough shot in that spot. So it's like, that's the, it's the gift of and the curse of Zach Levine. It is, but it, I'm glad you mentioned that because the thing with Zach Levine, that's also a difficulty is it's easy to look at him and be like, his teams have never done well. He's basically the guard version yeah. of Julius Randle. And I think the challenge there is you get a young Minnesota team. He gets shipped out for Jimmy Butler to now a rebuilding Bulls team. The Bulls never added a good point guard around him. Uh, and the talent they added was some of the worst roster construction with DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, uh, Patrick Williams. Like It's just such a mess that I feel like <laughs> if you put him not as the guy, right? Yeah. You put him as a second or third option behind Jalen Brunson and or... Well, it's and, but also maybe Julius Randle. Yeah. I, Where does he come into the, play? That's the tough part. It, it, I, I adore the idea of Zach Levine and Jalen Brunson with about eight or 10 other guys in the NBA at the four. Uh, you mentioned one of them before, Pascal Siakam. Mm-hmm. That is a three-headed monster I could get, but I could talk myself into that real quick. It's the Zach Levine and Julius Randle on the same team part of it that I think is difficult for me. But... But but the the moral of the story here, which you which you're nailing, is Zach Levine has is is actually I think almost underrated at this point because we just say his name and you get like a cringe. Mm-hmm. Um, Why do you think I disguise him as Devin Booker? Yeah, but I, uh, if I did the Zach Levine cap or no cap, it but, would just be instant people on their guard, and I I understand that I was one of those people. But there are like guys that you could like dress up the numbers to kind of say what you want. It's with Levine. It's not dressing up the numbers. He's I mean, he's a he's a brilliant offensive basketball player. Mm -hmm. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award winning, hard hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award regardless of the severity of your injury and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Paul Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212 212- 366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about Factor. During the spring season, you need wholesome, convenient meals to energize you for warmer, more active days and keep you on track for reaching your goals. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and tackle everything on your to-do list. Too busy to cook this May? With Factor, skip the trip to the grocery store and skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back outside and soak up the warmer weather. Going off script for this next part because I personally can't say enough how clutch Factor has been over the last two weeks. I'm talking Jalen Brunson clutch. I'm talking Allen Houston with four seconds against the Miami Heat in 1999 clutch. Whether it's a huge playoff game followed by a late-night postgame, I barely have time to prep and cook anything. So. 
every time a post game has ended, I grab a factor meal from the fridge, put it right in the microwave, and in two minutes, I've got my dinner ready to go. The future Mrs. Claudio loves factor as well. With her busy schedule with meetings and writing reports all day, being just two minutes away from a healthy, well-cooked, pre-prepared meal is so convenient. This May, get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered right to your door. Don't hesitate. Head to factormeals.com slash filmschool50 and use code filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Again, that's code filmschool50 at factormeals.com slash filmschool50 and get 50% off your first box. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. What you said about Julius, I want to come back to that, and we will for sure. But let's talk about the contract. The ink is dry. He signs a five-year, $215 million contract. I'm thinking last year, that's one of the worst contracts in the NBA. I'm not touching that. Well, uh, some context, though. Number one, he's already a year down. Number two, the fifth year is a player option, which unless he's hurt... He'll opt out of, right? It's the Julius well, Randle thing. When Julius played terribly, it's, oh my God, and there's a player option. And now he plays really well and no one talks about the player option because he's probably going to opt out and sign another contract. And I would imagine Zach Levine is likely the same way. So we're basically talking about when healthy, three years. If he's, for whatever reason, unhealthy, he opts into the fourth year. The final year, again, depends on the modicum of health, but you still can use that as salary because he's still likely going to be a talented player, but that's that's too far in the future, right? And then the third thing I want to add, he's got a 15% trade bonus. Uh, the trade bonus wouldn't convey because it would be too much compared to what the max salary he can earn is. So, um, so it's really just the salary. But I understand why if you're looking at it, it's like, well, he's earning $40 million next year. RJ Barrett is earning... What, $15 million less than that? I'd rather just have RJ Barrett. I get it. The difference, though, is you have a two time all star in Zach Levine who has this pull up ability, can get to the rim at a better level than RJ Barrett has thus far, who can finish and has proven to finish better, who's been more efficient, who's not going to necessarily be a downgrade on the defensive end. All those aspects, right? It comes into play. It comes into play with a contract, which is $40 million, $43 million. 46 million and then a 49 million dollar player option. It's a lot. The salary cap goes up too. And then the last one more thing before I turn it back over to you, John. Uh, well, actually, I'll turn it back over to you and I'll go back to that slide. Man, there's something no, I mean, it's, it's a lot of money, but yeah. like it's if he stays healthy, it's not a bad contract. No, um, but let's talk about let's get Darko, uh, not Darko Milicic, but a really great tool no, that talk about uh, Darko daily plus minus. It's another thing that is great. And they were able to plot out how these players are over the course of their career. And if you look at RJ versus Zach Levine, since they each started respectively in their years, right? You get RJ year two better, at least according to Darko, than Zach Levine had. Goes up, whereas Zach Levine is kind of like a steady incline, but nothing too fancy. And then RJ after year two comes crashing down a bit to year three. And then he sees some increase towards year four and then drops off. That's more of the defensive angle right now at their, the two point in their careers, Zach Levine is ahead of RJ by a little bit. So it stands to reason. If you're the optimist, you could say, or the RJ optimist, you could say, well, RJ can still rebound from that and have a better career than Zach Levine and all that. Um, 
And if you're a Zach Levine pessimist, you could say, well, he had the arc and then he peaked two years ago during the COVID year and he's been coming back down to earth. And that worries me, right? Like I am still, I look at this and I'm concerned about him coming back down to earth. I also would imagine, does that impact his cost? I don't know, but it's not like it's an open and shut case because here's the bottom line. If there were a player that were so elite that the Knicks should acquire them, the Knicks probably wouldn't be able to acquire them. No. But if there were a player that has some blemishes and you want to work around that, but is available for a cost that's more comfortable, Knicks fans often don't want to do it because they feel like the players they have are going to grow naturally. And touching back to what you said earlier with the whole selling and buying and all that, if RJ had a poor playoffs, which he didn't I want to be clear, he did not have a poor playoffs. He had a very good playoffs. If he had a poor playoffs, the reaction amongst most would be, Hey, you can't sell low. But now when RJ has something that's different, than yeah. a lot of what he's seen, it's, well, you can't sell high because yeah. you could sell higher later. Cause he's going to hit that high later. And maybe he does. I hope he does. I genuinely do. But I just, with what we're laying out, I don't, I don't see him doing what the Knicks want him to do to get to that point. Um, well, actually, sorry, let me go back for a second. There's something I wanted to, to emphasize that I did not get to do earlier. Big thing is the knee injury, right? The knees, it's a problem. What are they going to well, do? Why would they get him? And I just want to point out the games played, right? So last year, Zach Levine missed five games. Five. It's good. Missed four of his first 11, I believe. And then the only game that he missed the rest of the season was a game where the Bulls were trying to rest their starters. It was against the Mavs, second last game of the year. Uh, first night of a back-to-back. And they said, yeah, we'll just, Zach, take the night off. And they had a great first play and a phenomenal first game. And then a terrible second game. And they lost. They got eliminated. The year before that, Zach Levine missed 15 games. The year before that, 14 games. The year before that, missed only five. And the year before that, the first healthy season off the ACL tear missed 19 games, likely a lot of them being back-to-backs. If you look at the last two years, John, I want to say that Zach Levine played in more games than the following names. Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Zion Williamson. Um, like, God, I mean, the list goes on and on. It's the, the point being, I get the knee concerns a thousand percent. I'm with fans on that. I also think that the injuries are overblown. And last year, him only missing five games is proof that he's showing he can be healthy. I think approach matters a lot. And I think the fact that this is a guy who clearly prides himself on going out there and playing matters a lot. Um, look, I mean, the medicals are going to say whatever the medicals are going to say. And we're not in a position to talk about that one way or another. But like... Mm-hmm. If the Knicks in there, like that shouldn't be the reason you don't trade for him. I don't think. If like, the medicals it, clear him, yes. If the if if like the Knicks feel confident in what I don't, and I have I just to be full transparency, I have zero idea how the Knicks would go about that decision making process of feeling comfortable. But if the Knicks internally felt like. Okay, we're we're cool. I mean, look, the Bulls, I mean, you want to say they were between a rock and a hard place. They had to resign him regardless of the knee issue. Like the Bulls gave him all that money, which I don't know. I, I he his injury didn't seem to be an issue this year. Um, you know, he got off to a bit of a slow start. Um Yeah, anyway. Yeah, no, I I think that's a fair fair assessment of the injury thing. 
Sure. So we're in the home stretch, almost there. Yep. Uh, let's talk about a trade. This is the first thing that I've, you know, kind of worked out. Where if it were a two-team deal with the Knicks and the Bulls, uh, bear with me as I well actually as I explain. So first off, Zach Levine to the Knicks, which I'm sure for a lot of people listening is they're vomit-inducing, and for others it's not. Uh, to the Bulls, you get R.J. Barrett. Uh, we talked about Obi Toppin before and the whole thing of how you move Obi in the front office, not necessarily trading him to the Pacers for like 26 or 29, right? Uh, you use Evan Fournier's salary as matching salary. He's an expiring salary. You get him to do that. Another thing to consider, Evan Fournier's best friend, former Magic teammate and current oh, Chicago Nick. Bull, Nikola Vucevic, he's a free agent. You have to wonder... Do the Bulls, who are conscious of the tax, try to get Vooch to come back on a cheaper deal because their friend Fournier, his friend Fournier is there? I, I don't know, but maybe. Obviously, you need picks in there, too. So this is where I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of outrage, and I will explain it in a few slides. I promise you. Uh, one of the picks is going to be the Wizards' first-round pick, protected. Totally fine to move that. The other is going to be the unprotected 2024 Knicks pick. Hold on. Outrage from... Knicks fans who don't want to give up these picks? Outrage for the idea of moving an unprotected pick for Zach Levine. That's, how about we check but, in on, on Bulls fans for that this is what they're getting for Zach Levine, but continue. Well, hold, but again, like there's there there could be more to it, at least I see, and I'm happy to talk it through. That's fine. But <laughs> Okay. I, <laughs> If We're this is what a, the fucking Knicks are giving up for Zach Levine. But again, but again I'm, and I'm not a Levine guy, but we're show me the dotted line. They're Again, hold on a second. Okay. The point I'm making here as well, though. Okay. Well, there's the tax impact, right? Like, yeah, this, this trade like. clears, but this is $9.4 million for the Bulls. I just don't see that happening, right? Like, I, I just don't, I don't believe that the Bulls, who are tax conscious, are comfortable taking that much money when they have to re-sign Vooch and maybe they re-sign Patrick I, Beverly. Money, by the way, money Vooch issues and, are absolutely big for them. Yes. Yeah, Vooch and 100%. Beverly are also repped yes. by Bill Duffy, also repped by Bill Duffy, RJ Barrett. Um, okay, so I don't think this is the trade. I think you need to work a third team in here. Now, last week, you were saying how you don't see the Knicks being able to trade with this team, but I don't agree. I, I think that there's, again, I think there's still room here. I'm going to include the Utah Jazz. So no, I mean the Bulls. Sure. Yeah, like they the almost got Vanderbilt at the deadline. Sure, exactly. So the Knicks getting Zach Levine here. Uh, they they trim nine point four million dollars from their payroll. The Bulls they walk away with less money, right? They actually save six hundred eighty three thousand from Fournier and Barrett, and they get to use the Jazz pick owned by the Sixers originally. They have it. Uh, they have the Knicks unprotected 2024 pick. They have the Wizards 2024 pick, which I would imagine, you know, conveys probably closer to 2025. So they've got RJ, three firsts, and Evan Fournier, and they save money. And the Jazz take on and, uh, Andre Drummond, his contract, his player option he'll probably opt into, and it'll be topping because the Jazz have three, three first-round picks in this draft. They don't need three. And they get off pretty well just moving a late pick for Obi and the salary of Drummond. Is this closer to what you have in mind? Yeah. I mean, again, you're, you it's, you're getting away with, it's not only that you're only getting away with giving up one unprotected pick. It's an unprotected pick next year. Right. Where, I mean, look, crazy shit's happened. I mean, the Warriors were ended up being one of the worst teams in the league uh, when they were supposed to contend for a, a home, home court in the playoffs. It could happen to anybody. Um, 
but like the notion that you're only giving up one unprotected for a player of means caliber, even at his salary, man. But again, there's nice. Here's here's the thing. There, are, if you look at a trade like Dejounte Murray, right? Like, yes, I agree. That was two unprotected first, and it was a different story. But but with no effect, player, you're like right. they are getting RJ here. They're, so this is where I want to lean into it. I understand that if you've been following along, not you, John. Obviously, you've been here, but like others, if you've been following along and you think that. Everything I'm talking about with RJ, it means that he's a bad player. There are obviously warning signs, but everything we've been talking about has been through the lens of what the Knicks like and not feeling like, hey, it's not this player can't get better. It's feeling as though, well, what can we do in order to find someone who better fits the mold of what we're hoping for? That's where the RJ argument comes into play. I think if you're the Bulls, you're looking for something real. And I understand if Bulls fans also don't want anything to do with RJ Barrett. I get it. But you're basically talking about, okay, well, we got these unprotected pick, this unprotected pick, another pick in this draft, and a protected pick. That is, I would argue, on par with the type of conversation you'd have with DeJounte Murray, with that type of move, right? It's not the same, but you're subbing out an unpro- two unprotected firsts for RJ Barrett and including one unprotected first. And you're still getting over a protected pick from them. Yeah. Like, I, I understand I, that. Like, no, I'm curious. You know what? It, I'm, I'm letting my. No, no, you're free. I, I encourage you to push back. Believe me, this isn't. A no, it's just, I, 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 I've studied the numbers on, on Zach Levine. I studied the numbers on Zach Levine for years. I wrote a two part newsletter two years ago, three years ago dedicated to Zach Levine. I've been fascinated by Zach Levine because again, the numbers are what the numbers are and they do not come around very often. He is an enticing player. And if you're the Bulls, I'm just trying to figure out why the Bulls are doing this sort of the Bulls would I mean here's why the Bulls are doing it. The Bulls would really have to believe in RJ Barrett in like a significant way. And I guess they would they would need to that's why the the Vooch part of it is interesting because like to me if you're doing a trade like this, you're almost kind of trying to do a soft reboot. Like Carnosonovus has come out and said, we're, you know, we're not tanking. We're going to try to continue to win. We're I'm, like, he could pivot into a soft reboot. He could sell that. You know, you mm-hmm. got Patrick Williams there. If you get RJ there, you know, you maybe re-signed Kobe White. He had a nice offensive season. Like, there's a way to go into that. Um, is this enough? And ultimately, you know what this would say to me? Honestly, this would say to me the Bulls don't want to be in the Zach Levine business anymore, which... I don't know if you should take anything from that or not. If they did this, if they did this to sure. me, that would be a very clear indication. Like either that, or maybe Levine doesn't want to be in the Chicago Bulls business anymore, which that might carry some weight. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it also comes down to a money thing, right? Because Zach Levine that's yes. a lot of money, absolutely. And the Bulls, as we talked about, don't want to pay the tax. If the Bulls not, brought everyone no. back and kept everyone, right? They ran it back. They would be in the tax. They don't want to do that. Right. So I think nope. from their perspective, it's, it's okay. Our pick situation is pretty crap because of the team that we assembled that didn't get far. If there's a so called exit strategy yeah, this that is gets make, us assets yeah. back in some Making way, the best of a bad situation. Right. Like, I'm not like, that's, that's the thing. So let's tinker it a little bit more because we're, we're close. No, we're no, I'm quite there yet. You, how about this? You sold me on the valuation more than I, origi- I originally. Totally fair. But, what if there's a way that the Knicks could also get in on this a little bit more hand? So we talked about the draft last time and them getting into the, the back half of the draft, the back end of it. 
So this is what I'm proposing. Uh, the Knicks, they get Levine. They get the 28th overall pick from the Jazz. It does not go to Chicago. It goes to the Knicks. In turn, what the Knicks do, and this is where I, I would expect your pushback, and I'm totally fine if this is the case, right? It's still RJ. It's still Fournier. It's still the unprotected first in 2024. It's still the Wizards pick. The Knicks are sending the Jazz, with the, or excuse me, sending the Bulls, the uh, Pistons' second-round pick in 2024. Now, if you told me, hey, instead of doing that, send the Pistons protected pick that would convey likely in 2026. I hear you totally fine. If that's the case, agreed. Maybe they throw in some other seconds. I typically don't like including a bunch of seconds into trades. I don't think it's super realistic. This second round pick next year is likely to be in the thirties though. If you're the jet, if you're the bulls, you're thinking, do I take the pick that's 28th overall this year when I have a pretty loaded roster or do I try to get a cheaper pick because again second round picks are cheaper than first round picks and try to do it that way but like i said and i'll turn it over to you very quickly in just a moment um the idea of if they if that were the pistons first round pick certainly understand it especially because it gets the knicks into the first round and then the jazz right what do they get they still get obi they still get drummond the knicks send the jazz utah's own second round pick in next year's draft why is that important if the jazz tank to keep their pick in a year they don't have any other picks, then their second round pick is going to be pretty good. So they may want to capitalize on their second round pick being with them, and they move out because they have they move out of the th- having three picks in this year's draft uh, and get two and Obi, and they can either cut Drummond or keep him on the bench and move him at another point. So I'll just turn it back over to you quickly. Yeah, I mean, you know, do the Jazz care about Obi Toppin? Maybe they do. I I wouldn't bet my I life think they, on that. I, uh, yeah, sorry. Maybe they do. That's it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it, again, it also it doesn't have to be Utah, right? Like it could theoretically be an Indiana type team where they yeah. get Obi and then you move twenty nine over to the Knicks. Like it, it's more just framework, right? Just framework here. But again, if you told me that it would cost RJ and an unprotected pick and two protected picks uh, and Fournier to get Levine. It wouldn't shock me and I wouldn't be up in arms. I'd be like, yeah, you have to give to get. And Zach Levine's a pretty good player and you get into the draft. Um, and the reason why I'm cool with the 2024 unprotected pick, because Stepien, if you get into 2025 or later, then it, it muddles up everything that you'd want to do when you want to get another star. Yeah, because you'd still have your picks. So, so what would happen is, okay, why am I cool with 2024? Worst case scenario after the 2024 draft, you still have access to all your picks. Best case scenario, the Knicks keep the Mavericks pick. And look, I'd love to send the Mavericks pick instead of the unprotected pick, 100%. Uh, I also think the Mavericks pick would be better than the Knicks pick. So if you said, hey, send the Mavericks pick instead, totally fine with that. A-OK. But the latest I'm willing to do with an unprotected pick from the Knicks is 2024. Because of Stepien, because of all these things, you're probably not making a big move at the deadline anyway. So you're comfortable being in in Steppy and limbo for one season. Um, and then right as that season ends, assuming the Mavs make the playoffs, I don't see them missing the playoffs again, or at least tanking again. Um, then that pick is etched in stone. And now on draft night, you have access to all of your picks without any worry. So that's why I'm comfortable with that. But if it's after 2024, it's a no go for me. Uh, a few more slides and then we're done. I promise. This is what the Knicks looked like last year, sorted by defensive rating. And what they did was they said, we're going to have all these high-level offensive players and elite 
or like really good elite defensive players surrounding our best offensive players who are probably not great on defense. And sure enough, three of the four worst defensive players on the Knicks by defensive EPM were Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett, and Julius Randle. The Bulls did the same thing. They had the fifth best defensive rating with Zach Levine, mind you. Um, and they said, okay, we're going to have Alex Caruso, Patrick Beverly, uh, Drummond, believe it or not, um, Derek Jones Jr., even DeMar DeRozan anchoring this defense, although it was really more Caruso, uh, the Caruso effect. But they had Vucevic, their worst defender, but one of their best offensive players. They had Levine, their third worst defender, but arguably their best offensive player last year. So it's easy to see how the Knicks could do exactly what the Bulls were doing because they were doing that too. And if you swap RJ Barrett and Obi Toppin out and you move Zach Levine in, this is what it looks like. You've got quickly Mitch, Hart, Grimes, Hartenstein. It's your five best defensive players. You got Levine in there, who was in the 67th percentile last year. Again, that's, I think, 38 percentage percentile points higher than RJ. You got Deuce, 62nd percentile. You got Randall, 56th percentile, and Brunson, the 7th percentile. So you're effectively swapping out two negative defenders for someone who actually isn't even a worse defender by these metrics. Um, and he's better on offense. So I'll sum it up. Well, actually, if it wouldn't be a cap or no cap without the cap situation. This is where the Knicks are at, right? We talked about it last week. They got $9.6 million in space if they wanted to clear Derrick Rose's money. If uh, Josh Hart opted in, which I don't know if you saw the Jake Fisher report, said $18, yeah, eight, million, $18 million extension. Extension would likely well, imply that he's opting in and extending from there. Um, if you moved Daquan Jeffries, Isaiah Roby, and Trevor Keels and Dwayne Washington Jr., you're still $9.7 million away from the tax. If you added the mid-level exception, you wouldn't be able to sign someone without going to the tax, right? So if the Knicks made a trade, right, where they had RJ and Obi and Fournier and picks, future picks, mind you, going out, and they had Levine and the 28th pick coming in, that would mean that they now, even if you included Daquan Jeffries and Isaiah Roby in their non-guaranteed contracts, $12.6 million in luxury tax space. John, do you remember how much the mid-level exception costs? Yeah, it's uh, about $12 million. It's 12.2. So you'd have $387,000 of breathing room with 14 players on the roster if you found someone to use the mid-level exception on, and then your summer is done. Not every billionaire has the stamina, the dedication, or the fire to become the most unpopular owner in sports. But not everyone is James Dolan, the owner of the New York Knicks. This is Reign of Error, a new podcast series that gives you a courtside seat for the controversies, scandals, and drama that seems to follow the infamous billionaire. Track Dolan's rise from aspiring musician to the throne of one of the most beloved franchises in sports. Along the way, he'll battle his own players, fans, celebrities, the New York media, politicians, even the Girl Scouts. Reign of Error unpacks the out Outlandish story over five riveting episodes, detailing how Dolan became a lightning rod of criticism in his quest to outdo his billionaire father, while also asking the $6 billion question, why doesn't he just sell the team? Check out Reign of Error wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.
What's up, Knicks fans? Super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good and that's why oakley is the perfect partner for us not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our oakley's and listen up because it's officially almost summer which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today also did you know that oakley even offers prism lens technology now i know what you're thinking gmac what the hell is that Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. To wrap up, so I, listen, John, Andrew, everyone following, I can't tell you how much I appreciate how you've stuck with me for all this time. I really wanted to make this as condensed as possible, really concise. And I just couldn't. I couldn't break this up into future one, into multiple parts because I couldn't have the Randall conversation without having the stuff beforehand. Yep. And I couldn't have the RJ conversation without the first stuff we talked about. So, the Knicks preferring Levine to Barrett in this situation, it doesn't make RJ a bad player. We talked about the stats that are unsavory for sure, but just think back to the conversation we had before with the executive recruiting, right? RJ Barrett is more of a private equity CFO type. The Fortune 500 company is just not looking for that. It doesn't mean that candidate isn't a good candidate. It just means he's not right for this role. And then if you factor in, okay, Picks, everything. I'm not trading unprotected pick past 2024. I'm comfortable with the 2024 one due to the Stepien rule. It wouldn't hurt them long term. Do I, Jeremy, want Zach Levine on this team? Not necessarily. I think that there are similar issues posed on the defensive end that you have last year, but you're making your offense better and more efficient, even as good as it was. And we talked last year about something called the one red paper clip. And that was someone who turned the red paper clip into something, into something, into something, into a house in Canada. That's where I see RJ fitting into this. It's RJ turning into Levine, Levine turning into a Booker type. It's, it's the process. It's the value of going from one step to the other. And I respect the opinion of, you don't have to do that. You can just go from RJ straight into Levine. I get it. I, I completely understand where that mindset comes from. I just don't think the Knicks are considering that based on the need to have pull-up shooting where R.J. Barrett plays. So, um, John, I've certainly said more than enough tonight, so I'm going to turn it over to you. You said a ton. I don't have much to add. uh, I'll end with three three thoughts and then uh, uh, my own concluding thought. One, um, Levine is uh, clutch, which, you know, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't matter at all. Um, tr- always trust Bagley. Bagley's reported Knicks are keeping an eye on him before. To me, that trumps the clutch of it. Um, 
but I think it's notable. It would I would I would be thinking about the situation a lot different if this was a, a CAA client or frankly a client of somebody else. Uh, that's number one. Number two, I would not be surprised if they went down this road if they were a little too far apart in terms of what the Bulls want, what the Knicks are willing to give up. And Alex Caruso was used as a way to bridge that gap. I know you laid out the cap ramifications and it fits very neatly into the cap right now. But Alex Caruso is a player that I could absolutely see the Knicks um, being in on uh, trying to get this summer. And if they're trying to get Levine anyway, and the Bulls want certain whatever in terms of whether it's young players, additional draft assets, whatever the case may be. And the Knicks are like, well, we're not going there. I wonder if Caruso gets the Knicks to go to a place where they would otherwise be uncomfortable going. Um, that's number two. Number three, and this is probably the most significant thing. If, 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 if the Bulls want to go in a different direction, different direction from Levine this summer. And I'm, and that's the biggest hang up for me is I'm not entirely convinced that they will want to do that. If they did. I don't know that I see another obvious landing place for him in terms of a, pl- a place that both wants him and has a real feasible way to get him. Um, I think the Knicks, again, should they want to go in this direction, the Bulls are by far the most obvious landing spot. And for that reason, if you were to ask me to place my, we always talk about our, our, or miss our uh, fake chip, our fake betting chip. If you ask me to place my fake betting chip on which one star, if a star lands in New York this summer, which star will it be? I think I would probably place it on Levine. Probably, with the biggest hangup again being, I ju- and and I and I think you nailed it. If they go this route, it is follow the money. It is f- for financial reasons. And that is because they have one of the cheapest owners in professional sports. He should has no business owning a basketball team. Um, and he is absolutely not going to go anywhere near the luxury tax with a team that has, in consecutive years, gotten uh, blitzkrieg from the playoffs by the Bucks, And then this year, it didn't even make it into the playoffs. So, yeah. Think that about sums it up. And by the way, I, if if it is if this sort of trade goes down, I I I would talk myself talk myself into it. Levine's really good, but with the caveat that I don't think this would be a finished product yet. I think, and that's by the way, you you highlighted that they want to keep all the rest of these picks because they stay. I think they even they would know that they would still be a big move away from really, yeah, it, yeah. Um, I think they would basically look at it as it's a one year thing with this type of three man team of Brunson, Levine, and Randall. We'll we'll do the best we can in terms of the defensive part. We can do it, and uh, and we'll we'll reassess from there and look to move Randall when the time is a little bit better. That's and and maybe someone else comes on the scene that's there. So, but yeah, all this hinges upon is Zach Levine even available? I don't know. I couldn't tell you, but. I agree. If there were a name to be there, that makes sense. You know, it's there. It's it's Levine. And the last thing I'll say, RJ's contract financially, I think it's pretty strong. So you might be thinking, why is it the Knicks are now moving into the category of getting a player who's like almost twice the cost? Isn't twice the cost, but like it seems that when you first look. And I think it really just comes down to again of 
I think the Knicks know what their end goal is. I still think Devin Booker is going to be that type of target. If you keep Jewel, if you keep RJ, excuse me, and try to move him down the line for a player like Booker, you now have to add all this other, all this other money. Knocked my uh, my mic out of the way. All this other money to get you to that point, and you're giving up other players that you don't want to necessarily give up. This is consolidating with Obi's salary and Fournier's salary to get you to the point to then get you to that point. So um, I'm not a Zach Levine stan. I just I think he's the guy before the guy for for what From it's worth. I, I think the trades that you laid out, I think the Knicks do these trades 10 times out of 10. I think they look at RJ and Obi at this point. Maybe not Obi as much, but I think Obi still has, very for reasons that I can't quite... Well, I want to say that. I think Obi still has fans in the organization for reasons that I don't necessarily think are the same reasons that some Knicks fans are still fans of Obi. I think there's still a very a love of like, you know he's from Brooklyn and like he's this and that. I, I I don't think I don't think the reasons that some in the Knicks organization may still be very high on Obi Toppin have as much to do with basketball as people may think. That said, although I do think the analytics department probably likes him. Um, mm-hmm. That said, I think the majority of the Knicks front office would look at this as a way to like wait a minute, hold on, we're giving away two players that we're not really fully in on in Obi Toppin and RJ Barrett for a guy that could really transform us in a significant way, at least on the offensive end. And maybe it doesn't hurt us too much on defense. That's, I think they would sign up for that. I agree. We'll see. <laughs> yes, we will. Jeremy, I would ask you if you have anything else to say, but I feel like you must need a, a, a vacation after this. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm just happy to stop holding on to this. I think the one thing, last parting thing I will say, if you hate me for trying to trade RJ Barrett. Um, again, look, I get it. I'm really trying to take a standpoint of thinking of what the Knicks would do. That's why we laid it all out. But yeah, if you hate me for it, then sorry. Um, but also, I'm not. Because team, that's what I do here. I'm just trying to put the pieces together and look at what things are and go from there and we can have some fun doing it. Sometimes it hurts. Today, Team building is messy. Hurts. Yep. It's messy. Unless you draft... Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green in back-to-back-to-back years. I think they did that, right? Um, or whatever it was. Maybe they drafted two of them the same year. I forget. It's neither here nor there. Um, it's messy. It requires difficult decisions and often unpopular decisions. And often... Uh, I, all, let me rephrase that. All the time, there are decisions that don't work out. Um, nobody does it perfectly. It's impossible to do it perfectly. Monte Ellis on the Warriors, by the way, it was great. All those wins with him, all those championships that they got when they made and what the, they get for the him, terrible they, wrong, terrible call, right? Well, what they get for him, they got was, a guy who never scored very much for the for the, the the Warriors, and eventually, when they reached peak version, he wasn't even really on the court. It was it was Draymond stepping in, but mm-hmm. that was such a necessary component of their rebuild. Now, people listening to this would be like. Guess what, dickheads? Guess who's the guess who's Monte Ellis in this scenario? It's Zach Levine. <laughs> Which I hear that in terms of player think- archetypes, I get that. But some, but one man's trash can be another man's treasure, and it all depends on context. And and that's why I love how you laid this out. This isn't about I hate R.J. Barrett. Let's get him off this team. It's about the Knicks are building their team in a very particular way. Every 
literally every indication shows this is what they want. This is how they're building a team. This is what they need. This is what they desire. This is how they've set it all up. And for those reasons, this is the sort of thing that they might like to look to do. That's and that's the that is the necessary vital context to understanding a trade like this and not absolutely throwing it out the window um, out of out of course. And on that note, we're going to actually go watch the basketball, which is now midway through the first quarter. Celtics uh, Heat, which the game will have ended by the time you hear this. Uh, I'm not rooting for anybody. Jeremy, you're rooting for anybody. You're probably rooting for Miami, right? Yeah, but I'll be happy either way. I think I'll be happy either way, too. All right. Um, listen, if you stayed as with, with us for this long, take a bow. Uh, go. You deserve a nap yourself. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Jeremy puts more work into these things than you could possibly fathom. And uh, he does it because... So we do here at Nick's Film School. We try to we we try to provide service um, for those who appreciate it, and uh, hope you appreciate this, even if you may not have liked what, everything you heard. And uh, on that note, we'll be back with more fun and games very soon. Special guest coming up uh, for a pod uh, midway through this week. Excited about that. And uh, yeah, talk to everybody soon. I got one. Yeah, plug. Jeremy, one right, other thing. I'm pretty sure the uh, the casuals. They did a phenomenal job of having a Zach Levine discourse in the uh, group chat that we have. I think they're going to do the same on the pod form. I'm counting check, on check it. them out. Check them out because it's awesome. Like the fighting was awesome. So please that you can have more. We'll make it Zach Levine week and they will carry the torch and they're going to do a phenomenal job and they'll go even further in depth after everything we've talked about. So Please listen to that because they're great in general and they'll be great about this. Love it. All right, everybody. uh, Be well. Enjoy your week. Uh, Happy Memorial Day belatedly and uh, take care. 